Hi, and welcome to the In Mahamba Center podcast. My name is Lydia, and today we'll be discussing peace and what that really means. I kind of chose this topic to discuss in December because, one, it comes up very often, um, even in like the caroling, like peace on earth, and um, kind of the Christmas vibe is even in the darkness, in the darkness of winter, the coldness of winter, the dryness and harshness of winter, there's a sense of solemn, quiet peace. So that seems to be a very prevailing theme here um, for the month of December. And I think for the overall um, holiday spirit, whether that be Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, there's a sense of rest, and even in the darkness, there is something peaceful about it. Um, So I thought it would be interesting to look at that, um, because as you can probably predict, for me, um, it's often not... It's misconstrued often, the term peace and what that looks like. Um, And I think peace can look different, right? So for me, when, you know, for instance, the very famous biblical passage where Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he's going to pray at the temple as, you know, many Jews would do when they enter Jerusalem. The first thing you want to (laughs) do is go to the temple So he goes to the temple and he sees all uh, these people selling uh, these doves and sheep for sacrifice at the temple. And they've really made a full business out of it, right? It's very capitalist critique here going on. And Christ takes the whip and begins um, knocking down the stands. And to me, this is, you know, some people say you know, this is a moment of righteous rage. And I think it's also useful to look at the moment as a moment of peace (laughs) also, Um, that there's sort of a solemn, somber message and action that is going on here. So what I'm trying to say is that our image of peace is often, you know, someone sitting on the porch drinking lemonade. And it's quiet, you can hear the crickets, and you can hear the bubbling stream, um, or the babbling is what people say. I like bubbling, because then it's like a little bit steamy, and then you feel like there's like, you're in Yellowstone. Anyways, um, so anyways, the babbling, bubbling, um, stream, hot spring behind you, it's warm, it's not too cold, and it's just nice, and you feel at peace. And that's the image we have, right? It's a very natural, the body is at rest, the mind is assumed, like it's assumed that the mind is also at rest. And we don't take, you know, someone who's a protester, um, for instance, in this past year in June, the Black Lives Matter protests, we don't see them as peaceful, right? So someone who's raising their voice against injustice, they're seen as troubled individuals. Um, I was recently in a conversation with um, a Coptic activist, and (laughs) it's interesting. She's had several meetings with some clergy members, 
And she was telling me that the number one thing they will say to her is that there's something wrong with you because she's an activist, right? They're, they're trying to dispossess her of herself and her voice by telling her, you don't have peace and you are not at one with yourself. And that's like, I really, I think if you haven't been in that situation, it's a really harsh thing to say, right? Especially when you're an activist and you're doing this activity, this work, because you feel in tune with yourself, because you feel like your being is attached to another being and that your soul is attached to a complete stranger and you have to help the stranger as well uh, in order to help yourself. So it's like this reciprocity and activist work and I have strong respect for that so when someone tells you you're not in tune with yourself you're not peaceful with yourself it one very spiritually abusive and two (laughs) yeah just very spiritually abusive (laughs) but also two it's very it's ignorant of what peace looks like because peace isn't silence and peace isn't stillness and i think uh i don't know i think that that's a very important thing right um the other passage from the bible i can think of is when the disciples and christ were on a boat for some reason actually crossing to somewhere and there's a storm on the sea on the whatever they're on is it a sea or a river Anyways, we all know this story. And so the disciples get scared because they feel as though the storm will drown the boat. And they wake up, (laughs) they find Jesus sleeping, which is mad annoying. But anyways, they wake him up and they say, Master, do something, right? Um, We know that you have the power to do something in this frightful situation, do something. And I think this is very much the human condition. Um is people always tell you when you're in distress, (laughs) just pray about it. Tell God to take the wheel. And I I actually agree with that to a point, um, but I think also to a point, what Jesus says to them, he gets up and he's he's kind of annoyed that they woke him up (laughs) about something as trivial as a storm, right? Um, (laughs) on, on, On this boat. And he stops it and he goes back to sleep. And I think that this also has implications of what peace is, right? That peace really and truly is only a feeling. Actually, it's more than a feeling. It's a state of being, especially when it's on trial. For moments like when Jesus walked up to the temple or when Jesus was on the boat during the storm, right? Like full on snoring and everything. I don't know if he snored, but whatever. Snoring, sleeping, um, while the storm was going on. (laughs) Um, and it just gives you perspective even of when you feel, um, shaken or there is something off or you feel some type of dread or uncertainty about something in your life, whether it's a college application, a job promotion, a job interview, it's almost trivial, right? At the end of the day, (laughs) um, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think about. Sometimes things are not too trivial, but um, I don't know. It's interesting to think about like the worst that could happen to me is that I could become homeless 
I don't know. It's a very interesting thing. Yeah. But again, I don't want to be insensitive to um, hardships that we could go through or that people are going through. So it really, and that's why I think this is a very important conversation about what peace is because it is very difficult (laughs) Um, to be in a hardship to be in something that seems long term and to try to find the state of mind to be peaceful and not just to be peaceful like to other people (laughs) but to be at peace as a state And to feel like, even in a near-death situation like the disciples were in, that (laughs) it's a bit trivial. Anyways, (laughs) getting into a little bit of nihilism here. So, going back to challenging the notions of peace, I actually really do think that it's not a state or symbol of peace to be sitting on your rocking chair (laughs) on your porch drinking your lemonade and that that's peace and everyone around you (laughs) is suffering and you feel well I got my house I got my tea and I'm at peace with myself to me, peace is a lot more than that. Um, and again, I don't know how you define peace. I really don't. I'm not here to define it this time. There are just some episodes where it's like, I, I don't know how to define this, but I know it. <laughs> uh, you know it when you see it type of thing. Or you know it when you feel it from someone that they are at peace. <laughs> um, that they are in a bad situation or really good situation and it doesn't affect them um, or it doesn't affect their uh, stability. Um, So for instance, someone who wins the lottery and doesn't have a sense of, you know, I'm going to spend all the money today (laughs) or someone who didn't get the job that they wanted and somehow still have a sense of positivity to say, you know, it's going to be better. And I think it's also good to know that I'm not advocating and I don't think that when we speak of peace that it's a constant state, right? So it's a lot different than like your spirituality. Um, So I think when someone says I'm a spiritual or religious person, that's something that's kind of constant. Even if you of course, are going to make a mistake. It's something constant within you. But I think the state of peace is very different because it can come in, go away. (laughs) Um, And it's something you have to actively practice and be mindful of. Um, Versus spirituality, it's much easier. Um, I don't know. That's my opinion, of course. I think spirituality is 
easier because the questions are easier in saying, how can I support somebody? How can I love this person more? How can I ease another person's suffering? That's a much easier set of questions, right? Um, Because it could be as simple as paying for their meal. It could be as simple as volunteering on Saturday mornings at, I don't know, tutoring kids. It could be as simple as, you know, sending them a message. Um, But it's much harder to ask yourself questions of how you are feeling and how to move on from something. I don't know. It's much easier to care for others than to care for yourself is what I'm trying to say. Um, And ultimately, I think when we think of peace, for me, the first image that comes up really is the nativity scene because it's a very interesting scene. You have these, this couple coming into a city that they are familiar with, but not really. um, And they're walking around and Mary is (laughs) in labor and they need to find somewhere to rest, somewhere to have this baby. And that's not even the first issue, right? Like they're trying to find shelter, but also Mary is in labor, (laughs) which I'm pretty sure Joseph the carpenter does not know how to deliver a baby. Um, So (laughs) it's just kind of a horrible situation. So you're going into the city in the middle of the night asking for any place and people are just, they see you in distress and they're turning you away. To the point that you end up in a barn. So imagine the stench and resting on (laughs) the hay that the animals eat and (laughs) just trying to deliver a baby and not die. And your only person is Joseph the carpenter, (laughs) Um, this senior citizen, (laughs) which is, you know, and you had just come from taking the census or not taking the census or I don't know what the Romans, you know, applying for the census or whatever. So you're, you have limited supplies. (laughs) You've had a busy, busy week and now she's in labor. I don't know how well they knew each other. And now Joseph has to deliver the baby. (laughs) Um, And of course we don't see that. I don't know why anyone would depict the actual labor of St. Mary, but it's kind of, um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's a horrifying situation. I don't want to be in that situation uh, where (laughs) I don't have a hospital. I don't have anywhere to rest my head. It smells horrible. And the only person holding my hand is this person that I may have known. And we have a few conversations here and there. Um, And then after giving birth... (laughs) There's a massacre going on because the government is afraid of this messiah. So you have to run. Um, So it's just a horrible, horrible situation. And I feel like we don't really recognize (laughs) St. Mary for that. Um, We're like, oh, no, Jesus was born in a manger with animals. Um, But it's really like even what Mary and Joseph had to go through. How do you find peace? And of course, we remember this scene as a moment of peace because 
we see the animals, right? Like the nativity scene of the animals staring at the new child, the shepherds and the magi coming and giving their gifts and bowing. But there was so much distress. <laughs> there was so much of these horrifying moments uh, sprinkled into St. Mary's life that <laughs> could have all gone wrong. So it's just another... It's, it's, it's a good... I don't know what you call it. Icon, I guess, or image or representation for all of us kind of to meditate on <laughs> on really the horrifying situation um, that they were in and yet they were able to find something of a peace they were able to rest and look at their child and they were able to get up <laughs> and flee <laughs> um, and they were able e even in a strange land to find some comfort and come back even through all that they went through. It's a very interesting little first couple of days with the Messiah. And it shows... It, it, it has many implications of what peace really is. And again, it's not on your porch drinking some lemonade. It's not, you know, Jeff Bezos on an island. <laughs> um surfing because at the end of the day any of us if we had a porch and some lemonade we would also feel some type of rest not peace i'm not going to call it that but rest right um if i also was on my own private island i would also feel some type of rest but peace really is fine-tuned and delivered and executed in moments where there is great calamity and it's really where it showcases itself and as a state of being. Um, and I'm sure all of us have seen someone in a horrible situation. And we have felt a kind of peace from them. We have felt, you know, where you are sitting there in distress and you are like, oh my god. I'm panicking on your behalf. <laughs> and this person... And again, doing the much harder thing. Like I said, it's, I think for some humans, except like narcissists, it's much easier to care for others than to care for yourself. So it's a much harder thing in seeing someone care for themselves and say, I'm going to be okay, even in this really horrible <laughs> situation. So silence, what I really want to say is not silence. Did I say silence is not silence? Did I just say that? I don't know. My brain just went... Anyways, peace <laughs> is not silence. Peace is not complacency. This is actually something that I hear a lot and it really annoys me. Um, and it's often... Like, you see this in a lot of abusive relationships. on Like, between friends, between spouses, between clergy and their congregations it's very common the whole well we don't want to do something controversial because then that would disrupt the peace and peace is defined as oppression right like it's better to oppress women it's better to oppress black people it's better to oppress whoever we're going to oppress lgbtqi folks <laughs> and that's con and this is why i think 
if someone can give me a definition of peace, it would be great. But again, you see it and you know it. That it's, if we define oppression and suppression as peace, (laughs) you have greatly misunderstood what peace is. If you think peace is excluding people from your communities, congregations, workplaces, social networks, social events, that's not peace. And it's also not division to speak the truth. It's just a very frustrating thing when peace is often defined as complacency. That you have to be compliant to keep the peace. (laughs) And that's not peace. That's oppression. (laughs) So you have to be compliant to keep oppression. You have to be forward and accountable to keep the peace. Peace is not a union. So often we hear, you have to stay in this marriage because... It's a union that cannot be broken. Or it's better to be united as a community, our ethnic community, our religious community, than to be divided. That's also not peace. Forced unions that are clearly toxic, and toxic one way, (laughs) that's not peace. Peace is reconciliation. It's not a forced union. Peace is not enforcement. Peace is not tradition. So something also you hear very often in many spaces is, this has been tradition. This is what has kept the peace. And again, peace for whom? Peace for what reason? (laughs) Is oppression peace? If one member of your community is suffering, is that peace? (laughs) Have we attained peace? If someone in our community is hurting. Peace is dynamic. And based on a self presence. There's. For me peaceful people are very. I think one of the foundations is being self aware. Of one what is happening right. Because I don't want anyone to assume. Because I went on that whole trivial. (laughs) um, Tangent right. That peaceful people see calamity as maybe trivial right they're able to see bigger pictures but i also think peaceful people don't minimize what is happening they are aware of what's happening they are aware they're able to identify it as bad and this is why it's bad and here's the solution but they're also aware that there are things out of their hands and they're also aware i think That humans are very limited. So there's only so much someone can do. Um, And that maybe... (laughs) Yeah. They're very... I, I don't know. I've never met someone who's peaceful and they don't know what's happening. Right? Um... I think because I grew up in the South, my image of that is the plantation owner who's having all these dinner parties... And he's like a politician and everyone's, oh, he's so peaceful. And then you kind of zoom out and you see the slaves um, finishing their work in the fields. 
And I bring that up because, again, I think it's very important that we know that peaceful people are aware. They are aware of their contribution and what they put forward. So they're not, (laughs) because I'm rich, I can sit down and read and write books like Thomas Jefferson (laughs) Um, about, like, human rights. (laughs) And then, you know, right out my window are these people I am not paying, these people that I am violating and dishonoring. So I think that's very important, right? That there are people who will, their words are very peaceful, their concepts are very peaceful, their actions are not, (laughs) and their state of mind is not. Um, I think once you know that about Thomas Jefferson hearing words like, all men are created equal and then how he actually treated human beings is a little bit horrifying because then you wonder how did he define that so yes i think um peaceful people one have to be of a certain position because again i think if you're jeff bezos on your own private island where are you going to develop a state of mind that is peaceful (laughs) at any level right like you're money comes from people starving so even if you feel rest right you're sitting there tanning you're not at peace and you have not given peace to anyone either so I think if there are kind of three aspects to peace is that one it is a reconciliation with the events and circumstances around you. The ability to see that bigger picture, in other words. And two, a self-awareness of how bad the situation is. And three, a marker of a position to say that, um, you know, again, Jeff Bezos characters, <laughs> I don't think can experience peace because they don't have it and they don't give it. Um, Which is a shame. I really do think the environment you put yourselves in, whether that be your school environment, your work environment, your social environment, the environments you choose, the social ones, really do have an impact in how you view the world, really do have an impact in how you act in the world. And that's why it's very, very important that, you know, in the few years we're given on Earth... That we are given, that not that we are given, like the few years that we are given on earth <laughs> is that we choose in those years the best decisions for each other, <laughs> really. See, I'm going back to the nihilist of you're going to die and <laughs> um, what have you given your neighbor? That's really the only thing that matters. And again, you know, I think you know peace when you see it or hear it from someone. Um, I recently met with someone who is going through a lot. And I felt peace. Like I was speaking to her. And again, I was that person who was distressed (laughs) on her behalf. um, That I felt a tremendous amount of pain on her behalf of what she was going through and yet the way she was speaking to me 
showed that she was at complete peace with herself, with others around her. That she was not in distress, even though in a very bad situation. And that she was not vengeful towards anyone who had hurt her. It it was just very... um, It was a very beautiful thing for me um, to sit there and feel you can literally like tangibly in your body feel her pain. And yet there's a sort of peace from her. And again, that didn't mean that she wasn't angry. Um, she, She was angry and she expressed that. But you still felt in her anger when she shook her head and said, yeah, I'm disappointed in that this happened. Or, yeah, I know that this person is not a person I should have trusted, etc., etc., about her situation. You felt peace. And that, to me, is a very interesting thing. (laughs) That someone could be angry, disgusted, disappointed, and yet at peace. And yet reconciling what has happened and what they are going to do, the action they will take. So my final words on this, uh, because I really, these are just a few thoughts on what peace is um, for this nativity. Um, for me, peace is not reactive. It doesn't chase. It doesn't linger and want right that revenge or that action or that um you know, and this is why I think the Black Lives Matter protests in June, because a lot of it was about mourning. A lot of it was about sadness. A lot of it was about sitting in that calamity of loss and feeling every single bit of it, right? When you saw protesters who took eight minutes to, you know, lie down on the concrete to feel some sense of what George Floyd Um, Of course, not even close, but something of an empathetic gesture towards George Floyd. Allah yarhamu. It was a piece that wasn't reactive, but a piece that, and and a piece that didn't chase, but a piece that wanted to sit there and understand. Peace does not cover up. This is very important. (laughs) It doesn't give excuse. It faces. It doesn't sit there and say, well, that's too hard. This is the easier route or that's not going to work or, well, it's socially difficult to do something like that or there will be emotional problems (laughs) um, or social distress if we do that. Peace faces. Peace is not afraid of division. There are many Bible verses about Jesus saying, (laughs) that he has brought a sword or he tells his disciples to bring their swords with them and nehemiah when he was building the wall of jerusalem told the builders because there were many people who did not want to see the jews rebuilding their city who wanted to bring it down so nehemiah told them told the builders of the wall bring a knife with you so peace faces peace confronts peace does not cover up Peace does not hide. Peace does not make excuse. It faces. 
peace does not ignore. It is a constant caring. So it's very interesting (laughs) that when we think of peace, it's not just with what you've done or what you could do, but it's what others have done to you and what others could have done to you. So it doesn't ignore reality. It is self-aware and it is not only self-aware, but aware of what's going on. Peace is not self-centered. It embraces. So, and like I said, I think the ultimate beauty of peace is that it is given. So, for instance, when I was speaking to this person earlier this week, I felt that even in her distress, she was giving me peace. And it was a very interesting thing, (laughs) psychologically, that even we're talking about, you know, heavy topics and a lot of distress uh, in in both of our lives, but um, (laughs) just a lot of heavy topics. And yet coming out of the meeting, there was peace and there was resolution and there was a presence of God. And I think that that's the best thing you can offer someone and why peace is so important, right? You can offer love to someone and it it goes, you know, where it wants to go, <laughs> right? Um, someone may not reciprocate it, right? Or it may pop up a couple years later that they remember that act of love. But peace is immediate to me, right? Whenever I meet peaceful people, I'm, I'm going to speak personally, it's an immediate feeling that you receive. Whereas sometimes with acts of love, words of love, you feel it and you feel the impact maybe years later, hours later, weeks later, whatever. Um, but peace is immediate. And that's why it is really an amazing blessing that you can offer people, you know, through this nativity season, but also Advent season, but also, you know, year round, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, the importance of peace. Um, it's an important, I don't know what it is, a virtue, a condition, a gift. I'm going to say peace is a gift. Let's say that. It's a wonderful gift this season and year round. This has been Lydia Yusuf with the In Mahabba Center podcast. If you like this podcast, I'd encourage you to become a member on <laughs> for us. Um, wow, for us. You can visit our website at inmahabbacenter.com. I will see y'all in two weeks. Bye.